Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Back from a week away. Thank you for holding down the fort while I was gone, Colin. Don't think that that means that I'm going to take it easy tonight, though, on you, because I'm I'm not planning on that. I actually have a lot of pent-up anger over the past week, and we can talk about why that is here oh. in just one moment. Uh-oh. For once, it's nothing you did, Colin, but you okay, might okay. just be on the end of the the, 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 the brunt of it. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm, I feel a little bit better about that. I, I'm not going to say I'm okay with being the punching bag. I'm used to it. But as long as it wasn't my fault, then all right. That was a very good victim. I'm, I'm used to it. Uh, <laughs> sorry. All right. So I, I'll talk about why I'm angry in just a minute here, Colin. But I need to cool down for a second. So I think... We've been talking to people a lot about this recently, and this seems to be something that that a lot of people request. We have to know, cooking with Colin, did you cook dinner tonight? I did. Mm-hmm. What'd you cook? Okay, okay. I this did. is a good start. Yeah. Um, so it was the last, probably the last time uh, I'll grill for the, the rest of the You don't grill in the winter? Not usually. Oh, I, I, also ran, I also ran out of propane at the very end. Um, so that kind of sucks. Like there with a stick, like <laughs> yeah. I have. Uh, I had to. Uh, I had to cook them on, like, finish cooking them on a George Foreman grill. They were like, I would have eaten it. It was what, like, what was it? It was medium. Beef, chicken. Oh yeah, it was. Oh sorry, it was burgers. Did I not say it was burgers? No, you didn't at all. I didn't say burgers. Oh, no, it was burgers. Um, okay. It was like medium. Um, so like, I would have eaten it there, but. Becca prefers hers a little bit um, more medium well, a little bit no pink. Ew. If you, you sure will. you want to do this? <laughs> um, so I put it back on the, uh, I had a little George Foreman girl. I put it back on there to finish it off. So here's a little uh, a thing that I know, I know some chefs are split on this. We probably have chefs that listen and they can phone in and let us know why I'm wrong on this. But from what I've heard, you're actually supposed to cook burgers on like a skillet and not a grill. Oh, interesting. Because a grill is designed to let fat drip off. Yeah. But with a burger, usually with the the type of of meat, you know, you usually do like a slightly higher fat. Fat. Mm -hmm. You actually want to cook it on the skillet so it keeps a lot of the kind of drippings in and or around the patty. Oh, interesting. A little tip for you there. Um, You're welcome. Okay. All right. Well, that is... That is good to know. My little George Foreman grill um, yeah. is essentially a skillet with like little grooves in it to make it look to give you <laughs> to the make you marks. feel better, like you actually grow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. So just just just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Um, all right, that good calmed me down a little bit here. I won't have to quite rant um, okay. about what we're, what we're about to do here next. Um, okay. I was gone last week for personal reasons. We're not going to talk about it here today. I was gone last week. While I was away, some joker, and I think I know who it was. I think I know who it was. Okay. And this is a little directed at you, Colin, then, because I'm pretty sure it was you. Uh-oh. Gave them the company credit card information. Am I right? Was it you? I didn't give them the company credit card information, but what happened uh, was, let me well, set the record straight. What had happened was. Well, let me set the record straight. What happened was. Um, two people who will remain nameless. Nah, Felix um, and Matt. 
two people who will remain nameless came to me uh, and said, we're doing this. Um, we bought these jerseys. We need uh, somebody to pay for them. And I didn't give them the credit card information, but I was complicit. Yeah, I paid for them. Okay. So you were a, you were the middleman. That's even a yes. worse calling. Yeah. You know what we do? We chop off being thieves fingers at campusdecanton.com. So wait till I yeah, see you again. What do we what do you what are you gonna do to them though? Like comparatively, I might be okay losing a finger. So I can drive to you mm-hmm. a lot easier than I can drive to either of them. So unfortunately, I'm just gonna cut off three fingers, one for each of you. That send a message that doesn't work. That never. Well, I'll works. send. I'll send it to them in a plastic. You're going to be the. You're going to be the. Are you going to be like the the type of coach if you ever get into coaching that uh, yes. punishes everybody else except for the one kid who did something? Yes. That's terrible. You're 100%. the worst. You're the worst. Regardless, while I was away, people took the credit card, the company credit card. And then called me a tight ass after, which mm, really yeah. I had nothing. I had nothing to do with that one. I figured you didn't write that script. You can barely read. So yeah, I went to public school. Is that what uh, Felix always that's says? What, that's Felix's line. Yeah. So <laughs> so they stole the company credit card, and what did they do? It you know they didn't buy server space for us to run the tools in the background. They didn't buy you know they, it wasn't to pay the people that work here. You know what they did with the money? What they, they used it. Buy jerseys, Colin. Jerseys. Oh. Jerseys. Now, there are some cool jerseys. I'll give them that. They bought some signed jerseys. They bought a Jordan Addison signed jersey, USC. They bought a B. John Robinson signed jersey. They bought a Jackson Smith and Jigla signed jersey. So, I'll give them props. There's some pretty good selections here. And then they had the balls to say that we are going to give it away. For nothing. We stole the company credit card. We bought all this stuff, and now we're going to give it away. So first off, I've already contacted the police. The FBI is on the case. I believe this is interstate wire fraud. So we'll have somebody on this very quickly. <laughs> See you in prison. Felix Sharp, Matthew Bruning. But we're going to try to make the best out of a bad situation here. We're going to give those jerseys away. And here's how you, the faithful listener, can get in on this action. There are three ways to win these jerseys, guys. First up, prize picks. And if you've talked, we've heard us talk about it across a number of different platforms here at Campus to Canton. We have a weekly article on it. We talk about it on the tailgate every morning. We talk about it on our Better Sports Show, which I will talk about here in a minute. We talk about it on our, our college football morning. We talk about it pretty much everywhere. Prize Picks is a really cool website that is player props. You basically parlay between two and five together, and you win varying amounts of money depending on the amount you know that you hit and all that good stuff. We have a promo code partnership with them. Promo code C2C gets you an initial deposit match up to $100. It gets you, if you deposit, if you have to deposit at least $20, you get $29.99 toward any membership here at campus2canton.com. I know a lot of you listeners are also members at the website. You can get $29.99 off any membership you got going on here, guys, if you deposit there. So we, that will get, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a lot of prize picks promo codes out there. And they're all great. They all get you a deposit match. Ours is the only one that I've ever seen that also gives you a free membership to the website. So if you play prize picks and you like our advice, you're literally losing money not signing up for this. Deposit $20. You get a match. You get a match. So that's even. And then you get $30 for free 
of our content. Simple math. So that's one way to enter. You get a ticket entered in if you do that. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts and then send us a picture of the review on the C2C Twitter account, that gets you an entry. And that's a really easy one, guys. That And we'll actually will also accept Spotify. Helps us move up the charts and all that jazz. Uh, we're trying to get, we're spreading the gospel. So that's way number two. And then way number three, something that none of y'all have done ever, ever, except for Luke Probasco. Shout out Luke Probasco. Shout out Luke. Is call into the Campus to Canton show on the Better Sports app. We have a morning radio show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time, every Saturday morning. Before we do the tailgate, we're already warmed up. You can tell why. That's why we're so happy on there. We're so punchy. We're so wide-eyed because we do a show for two hours every Saturday morning on Better Sports. All you have to do, you have to call into the show and chat with us. Comments, questions, tailgate information, anything you want to talk about. You have to call in and do that, and that gets you an entry in. You just have to download the Better Sports app. It's free. It's free. We're not asking you to pay for anything there. Free, free, free. So just to reiterate, three ways to enter this contest, and you can do all three. You can get three entries in. Promo code C2C on prize picks. Deposit at least $20. Review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Call into the Campus Canton Show on Better Sports from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning. So those are the three ways. You might say, when are we giving the jerseys away? We're going to give you a little bit of time to do some of these things, guys. You don't have to drop everything today and do them. First giveaway, Debbie Debate, October 26th. For those of you that are calendar challenge, like me, that is next Wednesday. Debbie Debate, we go live at 9.30 Eastern Time, p.m. Uh, we release as a podcast the next day. So you, if you don't want to stay up, but you want to listen to the podcast, it's on the C2C feed. It'll be on there. Second, on the tailgate on November 5th. So a couple of weeks from now, 10.30 to noon Eastern, leading up to the games, we do a show on YouTube every week. Answer all your start sick questions, talk about a bunch of, you know, price pick stuff for the day, betting. That's when I do the second one. And then the third giveaway, November 12th, so the week after that, on our Better Sports Show, the one that you should be calling into anyway, so you should be tuned in to listen. So that is the deal with that. If you're looking for more information, if you want to see that we've actually got the jerseys like a hostage, you got to you know, send me a picture, go to the YouTube channel. Matt and Felix did a video about seven minutes yesterday, giving you all those details in one place. All right. I think that's all that we have to talk about here to start the show. Let's get into our preview for the or our review for the week. So week seven, we're going to cover two games. We're going to do a, a fewer than we, we have in the past because I feel like some of the teams we've talked about a bunch, you know, same, same storylines more or less. So two games and then some other storylines uh, that were big from this weekend. First up, Alabama-Tennessee. I think you have to, absolutely have to talk about this game, Colin. Yeah. Uh, I was at a wedding. I I like I didn't really get to watch any of this live. I already knew the score, but I, I did record it. was able to go back and watch a bunch of it here uh, this weekend. Tennessee, for those that, aren't, that don't know, number six Tennessee pulls out the win over Bama for the first time in 15 years. They went 52-49 in overtime. I believe it is the first time like ever – that a top three or four AP pool team scored 49 points and lost. Um, which I think was a very, very interesting stat. Uh, let's start. We start with the victors. We're starting with Tennessee. Hendon Hooker had himself a game here. 21 for 30 for 385 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Um, ran for 56 yards as well. He might be the Heisman favorite here now. 
And that's cool. But more importantly, Colin, is this a guy that you think is going to get some draft hype here going to the NFL this offseason? Man, that is that's a really good question. I I think the fantasy community is going to prop him up more than the NFL draft community will. And it's twofold here. Um, and these two issues that I have with Hooker kind of work together to work against him. Um, so before I get into the issues, let me just first say he has an absolute amazing command of his offense. He is built for this Josh Heupel offense. He is executing it perfectly. Um, he's showing great you know, mobility with his legs as well. He's very accurate with the ball. Nice arm. He's hitting the deep plays. So he looks very, very good. My two problems that I have with Hendon Hooker. One, he's going to be 25 years old by the time the draft rolls around this year. That is an old prospect. If he gets taken in the first round, he will be 30 by the time his contract is up. Now, is that exclusionary? Does that exclude him from being a good prospect? No, it doesn't. It's not good, uh, but I think over the next couple of years here, you know, last year, this year, next year, we're going to see some older prospects coming out. It's really going to test some of these age theories here, and that's just due to the COVID year. Um, but being 30 by the time your, your, your rookie contract is up is not a good thing. And the second thing is the system. He comes from the Josh Heupel system here. They run wide wide receiver splits. They use a lot of space. It's kind of a gimmicky college offense that has yet to really translate to the NFL level. Any of the quarterbacks there. Drew Locke, probably the most notable coming from there, um, has not worked out. None of these other quarterbacks that come from there have really worked out either. Um, he was at, I believe he, um, Heupel had Josh or uh, Jarrett Stidham when he was at Baylor. Uh, then Jared Stidham obviously goes to Auburn too. So not totally in that system, but another guy that didn't really work out. I don't think the NFL is going to like the system that he comes from. Is that exclusionary in and of itself either? No, it's not. Players can learn this offense in the NFL. They, if they get are given time to sit and develop where the issue is a 25 year old prospect, how much time are you going to give him to sit and develop? You know, if you give him two years to sit and learn this NFL offense and really be the guy who steps in, he's 27. You know, that's like, that's, that's, that's old. So I think those two things are going to work against him. Is he going to go in the second round? That I could see. I don't think he's a first round guy. I could see him going in like the middle of the second round, especially if he keeps up this pace and ends up being like the Heisman winner. But I just, I don't. I think the fantasy community is going to prop him up because we're starving for a third quarterback. And I don't know if it's going to be him. Do you think he ever takes Will Levis? He's ahead of Will Levis in my eyes personally, right. but the NFL just weirdly seems to like Levis. Like everything you hear is that the NFL likes this guy. And all of these draft analysts are saying that they like Levis. The NFL likes Levis. Now, these are the same people who were hyping up Malik Willis last year. We saw how that panned out. The thing with Levis, though, is Levis actually comes from an NFL-style offense um, for two years in a row. Liam Cohen um, had an NFL background last year as the offensive coordinator. He's gone. Rick Scandrello, I butchered that name, um, is in there this year. He has an NFL pedigree, NFL background. 
Um, and apparently he said he's the best. Will Levis is the best quarterback he's ever coached, which is just like ridiculous. But there's NFL connections there. He's got an NFL system. I think they're going to like him more than Hooker. So I like Hooker more. I think the NFL will like Levis. Yeah, I think it's also, um, you know, you talked about the wide splits and some of these things with with this offense. But it's also very much a one read offense. Yes. Um, very, very much a one read offense, which I think hurts as well. Um, I thought I was really clever and came up with this and then realized that maybe I picked it up um, through one of our other shows here on C2C. Uh, back to Debbie. Um, Hendon Hooker is a little Jalen Hurts-ish. I think now I think a lot of the downsides still apply to him that you talked about, you know, Jalen hurts wasn't this old and Jalen hurts didn't necessarily play in a one read offense, but he did play in some offenses that made for some coordinators that, that, that run offenses that are, that are more pro style than this one, obviously, but still very much played to the quarterback strength. So I think, you know, uh, in terms of catching up to the NFL, he definitely wasn't there over his first couple of years. We've seen this year. looks like maybe that he is, um, and I just think like that's where the NFL will value him. Like I don't, th- I I don't think the NFL will take another really old quarterback in the first round. Like he's he even dwarfs Pickett by age. Yeah, I, he he's very very old. So I don't think he'll go in the first. Brandon round. I Whedon. I think the second round is probably where he'll go. I think an NFL team will take him, sit him for a year or two. He should not start right away. But I could see him going to like I don't know Tampa, and sitting there. I saw a mock that had him going to Tampa in the first interesting don't think oh no 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 that's not who it was it was cam ward it was cam ward that's what it was that's bad too but (laughs) i digress um i could see him doing that i think the dolphins would actually be a really good spot for him they need i think it's become clear Tua has to have a high-end backup play i don't know what they think of skylar thompson we haven't gotten to see enough of him to have any sort of opinion obviously they have teddy two gloves but if you can get a super cheap guy on the second round for a few years and, and cut bridgewater maybe you're doing that um minnesota you know some of these teams that that you know probably should have a backup um and and could supplant in the future seattle in the second round you know have him behind gino develop we'll see how long can gino do this i don't know Uh, there are a lot of teams out there that i think um uh, he could go to so moral of the story um i i don't think that he's a first round draft pick but i do think he will be a day two guy um and i think he'll be the kind of guy that gets a chance to start at some point. So whatever that's worth. Um, the other guy I want to talk about here for, for Tennessee calling, you know, there were a number of guys that had decent performances here. You know, the running, the running game hooker included in this ran for 182 yards on the day. That's uh, pretty good. There a couple touchdowns for them, but really I want to talk about uh, Jalen height. Hyatt really, really struggled his first couple years in college. I jokingly said, would tell people like I, the joke was that I'd never heard. I don't even know Ramelki or at Jalen Hyatt. That's, that's not a real person. Like <laughs> I, I did not value him as a prospect. Um, and I still, I, we need to have a discussion about it. I think it's going to be really interesting. In this game, he had six catches, 207 yards, five touchdowns. He was our player of the week at campus to Canton. Um, like just, you know, huge blow up week, but this is the first week where I've ever really seen him be super effective downfield which is really interesting. Is it unlocking something that we didn't know was there or were they taking advantage of something that Alabama doesn't do well this year? I, I don't know have the answer to that, but I think it's interesting in, in Hyatt, you know, he's got decent size. He's not huge or anything. He's, he's on the Devonta Smith scale of, of wide receivers, six foot one eighty. I don't believe he's actually 180 pounds, um, but he's a very good athlete. 
And if he does show kind of a multifaceted game here, he's not just this kind of target reliant possession guy that he's been the first few weeks of the season. He could be an interesting NFL draft prospect. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I think he is an interesting NFL draft prospects. The NFL value speed. I mean, we just saw Tyquan Thornton, um, a guy who was, didn't really have a ton of production in college. I mean, it was, it was spotty at Baylor there. Um, you know, but he still ran a four, two or four, two, seven or four, three flat or whatever. It ended up being at the combine there blazing time in the 40. And that parlayed into second round draft capital. I mean, I don't see any reason why Jalen Hyatt can't run something similar to that. And, you know, he's a guy that I'll talk about a little bit later, but he just did this on a big stage against a big time team. Scouts are definitely taking notice of that. Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it will be, I'll be interested. I need to watch and see the thing about him is like, we, I don't think we'll actually know because Cedric Tillman's going to come back here. And regardless of how big of a fanboy you are of Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman is going to take the top dog spot again. I mean, when Tillman was out, he had 11 catches against Pitt in a game that went into overtime. And Cedric Tillman also had a huge game in that game. Then five catches, five catches. Like he he doesn't he he was not putting up huge numbers with uh no Tillman. So he, he did roast Akron. Sorry, he roasted Akron. So But who doesn't? Uh, yeah, exactly. Good for him. So I I'm I I actually think we talked a little bit in the 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 um, discord today. I actually think this could be a sell moment. If you have people in your league that think that either a, he could be a huge CFF producer down the stretch, which I don't think he will be, or uh, at least not consistently, or uh, think he's like a top 40, 50 selection NFL draft, which I also do not think. So if you can get either of those kind of prices for him, I think that's the point at which I'm selling. Otherwise I'm fine holding. And if you can get him for a lot cheaper than that, then sure. Why not? But I doubt you can at this point, like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think at worst, you know, at worst case scenario, you hang on to him and you get some some boom weeks, especially if, you know, Tillman it doesn't come back this week. He could have another huge week. They, they play he UT actually, Martin. I was going to say, maybe they actually don't bring Tillman back this week because then they have a pretty tough stretch after that. They might rest yeah. like one more week, even though it sounded like he was getting closer. Yeah. Again, so, yeah, I, I definitely think he was getting closer. I think if they absolutely needed him this week, um, maybe he could. Maybe they could put him out there. I don't know, but it's UT Martin. So it's not like they actually really need him. Um, they could give him one more week. So we could see another big blow up from Jalen Hyatt, but I wouldn't get too cute with it. I would shop him around this week because I think he is, you know, he's going to get some draft buzz eventually there. But like you were saying, I think he's pretty limited as a player um, overall. So you know, we'll, we'll see how that'll end up there. And Tillman will be back. So the CFF production, you're not going to see that again. Um, Let's pivot to the other side of this game here, Colin, Alabama, our, our loser here on the day. Um, I, I think that, you know, we don't need to talk that much about this game as a whole, you know, and, and Alabama losing, like is Alabama done, you know, whatever. Um, but I do think there's some interesting things to look at from this game. The first, the biggest one I think is the Jameer Gibbs and his touch uh, distribution within this backfield. They were rotating these guys really heavily at the beginning of the year. Remember Jace McClellan got a ton of carries the first couple games of the year. 
They were really only using Gibbs as a receiver. And everyone, I like, I don't know. <laughs> Saban had to have said something to Bob. There's no, I like, I, I'm, I, I feel like that's exactly what happened. But Gibbs is taking over this backfield completely. In this one, the team ran the ball 31 times. Bryce Young ran at four. Jameer Gibbs ran at 24. So you can do the math. Their backs got three carries in this one. Jameer Gibbs got 24 <laughs> for 103 yards, and he punched in three touchdowns. He's been amazing over the past couple of games. Uh, everything that we hoped he would be in this offense. And then he got five catches for 48 yards as well. Like he, he is getting all of the volume here. Um, so from a CFF perspective, like it, I was really disappointed the first couple weeks. I was like, oh man, here we go again. But this, I, I, I mean, I think he's a, you know, a, a must start every week and like going to be a top five or six running back the rest of the season, even in yeah. the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it really took them just kind of committing to him. I mean, we always knew he had the talent there. The big question was, you know, how would he hold up? running in between the tackles with a big workload. We're seeing that, you know, we're seeing him still be very effective with that being able to handle 20 carries a game running in between the tackles. He's checking off every box that you're looking for, uh, especially in terms of the draft. And he's still my RB two in that class, but now the added CFF production too is, is, an, is just a little nice cherry on top there. I mean, we saw some production at Georgia Tech, but it was so spotty and inconsistent because he went as that offense went, and that offense would also fall off the face of the earth sometimes. So seeing this consistent production is really nice. And even in the SEC here down the stretch, I, I think they're going to commit to him like they have been because this passing game for Alabama, while it looked a little bit – it looked more improved this week uh, with Bryce back, you know, and we're starting to see Ja'Cory Brooks pop out a little bit. You know, some of these freshmen are um, doing something here. But I, I think Saban and, and this offense know that they need to ride Gibbs in this situation. He is their best offensive playmaker. So I'm expecting this production to continue down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they don't have the receiver help. I think that's, that's pretty apparent here. Um, so, yes, I agree with you um, completely. I think it, the offense necessitated it in his play. Um, it's just been head and shoulders better above. I mean, he's their most, ex- he's just explosive. Like you just put him a little bit, get him in a little bit of space. You need to write this scheme him into space. Like just, you know, toss him a couple of path, five passes a game. Like that's not scheming him open as, yeah. as you, you just give him the ball and let him kind of go work. And I think he's been doing really, really uh, well with that here the past few games. And he's even been running decently in between the tackles. So uh, Bryce Young was really good here. He, he missed the prior game uh, with shoulder injury. Uh, 455 yards in this one, two touchdowns, um, very even target distribution, reception distribution. Um, but I mean, he looked good in his return. I was a little worried about the shoulder, um, uh, but a, a really good performance for him. I mean, I, I don't know what else we say about Bryce Young at this point. It, we we know, we know. We know. And I mean, I think the one thing you can say about him is, yes, they lost this game there, but he, it wasn't for, it wasn't for anything he did. He looked good this game he just he's just a gamer um he just shines bright when the lights are on and i i think the nfl is going to really like this guy um so i feel I, I know there's some concerns about his size out there and i think they're valid concerns but what he's just so talented and he's just so smart with an offense uh that i i don't think it's gonna matter i i i like bryce young a lot here for the nfl as well um last point here it's really encouraging these freshman receivers at Bama are starting to earn roles 
You know, they're not the leading guy necessarily, although in some circumstances they are. Uh, Kobe Prentice had nine catches in this game. He only had 66 yards. Like, I still think he's the kind of guy that's going to rely a lot on volume. I, I, I don't think that he's an amazing player. I think um, if you sold him at the beginning of the year and got a decent amount back for Prentice, I think you did okay. I think he's, he's, he's a fine player. I think he'll, he'll, he'll play there at Bama for a few years, but I don't, uh, uh, I, I don't think he's got the, the high-end uh, value just because he's, he's catching a ton of passes because he's not doing a lot with them at the moment. But not, I mean, he caught the most passes on the day here for Bama in this one. Uh, and then uh, Bond has kind of inserted himself in this offense as well, which I think is nice. Uh, he's not seeing the volume that Prentice is, but he's kind of feeling that role that we thought he would early two catches in this one, 39 yards. Um, they just want to kind of send him deep. Like he's just really freaking fast. And I think if he develops more of his game, um, he could be one of the better all around receivers in his class. So both yeah. of those guys are just really starting to stand out here for them. Yeah. I mean, Kobe Prentice is a guy that, you know, we, uh, Alfred was, was on, um, pretty early. He was one of his guys, but the rest of us were, were kind of off Kobe Prentice. You know, we thought that Jojo Earl would be healthy and would operate that role, but then there were also other options in this offense too, that were coming in, um, like, um, Aaron Anderson, who's been injured and stuff like that, you know, so we didn't really, we were a little lower than maybe we should have been on Kobe Prentice, but we got Isaiah Bond, right? I, I think, um, I know you were very high on Bond. I liked Bond as well. Um, and it's a little bit more of a complimentary role right now, but it's really good to see him getting on the field and having a role, like you were saying. So I think he will continue to develop. He was raw coming in, um, but seeing him out there getting the reps that's definitely encouraging yeah i mean if you look at at the the target distribution in this game amongst wide receivers i mean uh, uh brooks had six catches prentice had nine um burton had two earl had one bond had two holden had one so like they're they're holding their own uh in this receiver group maybe a couple of these guys stick uh beyond this season uh tcu tcu oklahoma state's the other one i wanted to talk about here colin um for a couple of reasons tcu we talked um previously about quentin johnson and his struggles and then last week uh he had a, a really really nice week this week followed it up eight catches 180 yards and a touchdown uh looked dangerous after the catch um kind of the Johnston that we we want to see Johnston that's locked in Johnston that's winning at the line of scrimmage Johnston that's making guys miss in the open field Johnston that is just you know more than just the go deep and try to jump up and catch a guy um, maybe this offensive staff is gonna try to just get him open different ways now I, I'd be interested to see uh, exactly what happens there but I mean good for QJ um, he still might be a buy I, I don't know yeah, people really soured on him earlier. And, you know, I, I definitely dropped him in he my rankings. He dropped like five spots for me. Yeah. Yeah. Overall. He was, yeah, he was still top 10 in this class. I think he was still top seven in this class for me, but there were a couple of guys that had jumped. Oh, he was like top, I think he moved from two to four or three to four from here. So he didn't move that, he didn't move that far. What you yeah. dropped him close to like, you had to go, he's still in the top 10 of my class. I don't have my what? rankings up here in front of me. Hang on. Let me, all right. Well, now you're going to give me crap here. Now I'm gonna um, give you crap. Yeah, I'm gonna give you crap. That's a terrible take. Um, I moved uh, Addison ahead of him. I moved Downs ahead of him, and he had fallen behind Tillman. He'll jump back up. Oh, that's bad. Sorry. So, sorry. 
So which one's bad? Continue. The Tillman one? Tillman. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, like I said he'll move he'll move back up ahead of Tillman. He'll probably stay behind Downs and Addison for me though. But he was the wide receiver three in this class, so he's fallen. Um, like he fell like four four spots, three four three four spots for me. So you have how? Where do you have Burton now? Uh, he's not even on the screen right now. Hang on, I got to cool. scroll. Okay. <laughs> um, he plummeted because he is doing absolutely nothing. Um. He is behind Jalen Cropper. Ouch. <laughs> what an insult. Yeah, he's um, um he's two spots ahead. He's um just behind Jalen Cropper, just ahead of Tavian Robinson and Elijah Badger. That's a very interesting tier. We're gonna have to talk about that at some point. <laughs> um <laughs> Not saying it's wrong. That's just a very interesting group of players. Um, well, that's okay. Yeah, that's for C. That's for C two C too. So, I mean, I think he still has some Debbie potential. You know, I, I like your um, Marquez Valdez Scantling kind of a comparison there. Um, sure. So I, I like that. So I think he'll have a role in the NFL, but will it ever be fantasy relevant? Probably not. Yeah. Um. So I mean, yeah, Johnston, big big day. I don't know. You have anything? I mean, I. I'm I'm hoping that this this kind of is the 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 staff there has kind of realized you know we just need to get the ball to Johnston like it's I mean the TCU is undefeated but they've they've had two tough games the past two weeks and they've really won on his back so yeah I mean he's being what we thought he was going to be you know we we've beaten this Quentin Johnson topic to death on both sides of it um, but. You know, coming into the year, we kind of thought he was going to be the lead wide receiver in this room. He wasn't. They were spreading the ball out a ton. We thought, you know what, maybe that's just kind of Sonny Dyke's offense. Maybe he just doesn't really feature one guy, and that was a little bit more of a Rhett Lashley influence. Now we're swinging back the other way here. Honestly, this is um, this is like the the big pirate ship at the uh, at the at the amusement park. It just mm-hmm, swings mm-hmm. back and forth. I hate and back that and ride. Forth. Yeah, yeah, me too. When it's Quentin Johnston. I don't ever get sick on rides. Like I can ride whatever roller coaster, do whatever. That fucking pirate ship gets me every time. <laughs> gets me every time. Um, what about the salt and pepper shakers? I love the salt and pepper shakers. I I don't know what it is about the pirate ship. Okay, I have no idea. It's like not. It looks like it's pretty innocuous, but it gets. I you. don't know. I don't okay. get seasick. I I don't understand. Like I don't understand what the the connection is. But I guess a boat doesn't go like front and back like that either. So. Um, yeah no it shouldn't if it is there's a problem yeah i've seen deadliest catch i think it does on there but i'm not doing that and they canceled crab season this year anyway so um kendry miller the other other talking point here uh and it's just another one of those where i don't know if i have much to say about him but another really solid performance 22 carries 104 yards uh and two touchdowns for him i'm just more and more interested to see if he comes out this year i'm wondering what the nfl will say to him in terms of you know does he get a draft grade um because he's got the size he's listed like 220 pounds or something like that i believe he's six foot he's going to test fine like he'll be a four five four four five to four five guy i think like not not overly fast but uh, certainly not slow either um like i i I think he'll do all those things well and he can catch passes so um i'm I'm interested to see what the nfl thinks of him i actually think the nfl might like him more than izzy abanaconda interesting abanaconda is very one cut runner 
They're right think... next to each other in my rankings. They're, they're like right beside each other for me too. I like Izzy, but I think he's very specific type of back. He need, he needs to be one cut north south, maybe you know a lot of stretch type stuff. That's kind of offense you need to put him in. I think Kendry can kind of run in like for I think he's not scheme dependent at all. Like I think he can go wherever, uh, and you can you can kind of get him to to fill in whatever you need. He'd be great. Kareem Hunt leaves the Browns this year. Go go there and back up. You know. Um, Our guy Sean. Jerome Ford's there, though. They haven't given Ford any run. I don't even know if they like him or not. Maybe <laughs> they're just letting him sit a year. I don't. Chubb's also been getting a lot more work than yes. I thought he would. Um, like I, I really think he could go pretty much anywhere. So, um, that that's I think what sets him possibly apart. And I'll have to look at my rankings and think about that. It might just be one where you don't really know until the draft happens, and if you have the wrong one, then sorry. But yeah, yeah, and I mean I, I mentioned it on better um, sports. Um, this week when I was on, uh, you know, definitely check that one out there, by the way. Um, if, if you do subscribe to them, uh, it was my one and possibly only performance or appearance on. The oh, it definitely was the only one. Colin, Colin <laughs> going to get our show taken away from us talking about the Amish mafia and <laughs> saying that some some Amish lady bet all of her butter on. Just, <laughs> just terrible. Just terrible. Anyway, on there, I was talking about, uh, you know, the this running back can get day two draft capital. And that, that's been kind of a running joke here, but six running backs last year get day two draft capital. It was a pretty weak class. I think eight to 10 could get it this year. That kind of puts Kendry Miller right on the edge of that. So that'll be really interesting to see um, who goes back from this class and how the NFL values some of these other guys like Blake Corum, huge day. Uh, thank you, by the way, for not putting that game on the show sheet. Um, Blake Corum, huge day, and that's he's a the only small. game I got to watch the majority of on Saturday. Locking. I feel bad for you. I was at a bar after the wedding, and we just—I so was in Philly for this wedding. We went into this bar. It had <laughs> eighteen to twenty TVs in it. Let's say twenty. Nineteen of them had the Phillies game on. One of them had Penn State, Michigan. I was like, that, "Can we put one of these on Iowa State, Texas?" Like. These not, not no. say, uh, these people don't need 19 of the 20 TVs in the Phillies game. But. You don't ask to change a TV in a Philly sports bar from a Phillies game in a playoff game. That would not have ended well. When did you? They hadn't been in the playoffs in 11 years. You had you never lived there when the Phillies were in the playoffs. You have no idea. Don't ask to change a TV you in a Philly no sports idea. bar. <laughs> you have no idea. Um <laughs> So, um, yeah, I hate Philly sports so freaking much. Um, Oklahoma State. I listened to the show last week with with Felix on. Felix did an adequate job uh, filling in <laughs> in my absence. Uh, but he nailed it with Dominic Richardson. You know, Richardson is getting the volume that we prefer out of this backfield, and he's going to continue. I don't think that that's going to change at all. But uh, been very disappointing from an efficiency perspective, and he was disappointing in this one to 22 carries. 72 yards he gets the touchdown so that kind of um you know helps it out and then he had three catches in this one for 79 yards he does not usually do that in the receiving game i'm not i actually don't know what went on there but i don't i don't think we're going to see that from week to week but like he has not been the like hot super high floor guy with the potential 40 point game that we thought we were getting 
which is what usually this this Oklahoma State running back is. He's been very disappointing. So I just I have a lot of him. I have like I, I was running a lot on like some combination of him, Nathaniel P, Christopher Brooks, mm. Jordan Mims in a lot of leagues. And woo, I got some running back situations <laughs> not looking so great here as five weeks roll through. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of Nathaniel Pete, a lot of Christopher Brooks for me. I do have him in a couple of play- Dominic Richardson in a couple of places though. And like you said, just not efficient at all. I mean, he's usable for fantasy just given the volume, but I'll be really interested to see if they give Ollie Gordon a real shot at this at any point, because he's a guy that we both liked coming in. Uh, we like the situation as well. So maybe if they give him some run, maybe he can end up actually being, you know, the the fan the Oklahoma State running back that we expect for fantasy. So it'd be something to keep an eye on going forward. His games before this, two catches for 24 yards, four for 18, two for 39, and five for 44. Like he's not lighting up the stat sheet here as a receiver. So it's just it's been kind of a bummer uh there from him. Let's hit on some other quick uh news items here, Colin, and then we'll we will move forward. Um shout out to some of the top performers of the week. Uh, Dalton Kincaid had himself a huge day at tight end there, 16, 234, and one. He was getting some draft buzz in the offseason. He could be a guy that goes in the fourth ish round. Um, and he's going to be the guy there um, at Utah. The bummer is that they refuse to pass it like this every week. They, they decided they had to to beat USC. Um, but if they would, I think we would see a lot more stat lines. We would see um, uh, what's his name from Colorado State last year that got drafted by the Cardinals. Trey McBride. We would see a yeah. lot of Trey McBride stat lines um, <laughs> if they would do that, but but they refuse to. Uh, at quarterback, the forgotten man because he played on Thursday, John Reese Plumley. Thursday, Friday, yep, Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, 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 Friday. Friday. Um, had himself a day. Seven total touchdowns, three hundred seventy-three and four through the air, thirty-seven and three on the ground. Um, uh, SMU or um, uh, UCF put a hurting on Temple. Uh, Trey Palmer, your guy, Colin, seven catches, 237 yards, two touchdowns. It's a shame that Jalen Hyatt had the game that he did because yeah. we would all be talking about Trey Palmer yep. here early this week. Um, but alas, he actually had like 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground, too, I believe. He yep. had a very, very nice day. Uh, and then Marion Luke, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, filling in at CMU for Lou Nichols, 162 or 160 carries through touch. 160 rush yards, two touchdowns, and then four catches, 71 yards, touchdown through the air. So big weeks for those guys. Yeah. Um, also, quick shout out to Daquan Finn, quarterback for Toledo, uh, with a seven touchdown performance, six passing, one rushing, 263 yards passing, 87 yards on the ground. So big day for him as well. He was in contention for uh, Campus Canton Player of the Week this week. And um, just a quick RIP to Sal, who I played in the program this week. I had Daquan Finn, Dalton Kincaid, and Trey Palmer on that team. So how many points did you put up? 326. Holy <laughs> I had a nice week in our league, and it was I think I put up like 270. It was not that. I did not have any of these guys, but I did have Plumley. So yeah. Yeah. So it was um I had some other guys, nice performances, but um they just th- those three, it's just it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah, that would have beaten most teams uh, this past week. Uh, I want to talk about the dual running backs for Ole Miss here for a second. Uh, We've talked about them a little bit here this year, but um, very even performances from the both of them. Still split in this backfield, contrary to what people will tell you. Judkins is running away with his team. Well, then how come Judkins had 25 for 139 and 2, and Zach Evans had 21 for 136 and 1? Riddle me that, Colin. Um, They're still splitting these guys basically 50-50. They've both been extremely effective. Um, 
one of them being good does not make the other bad. Like, let's just enjoy yeah. this offense, which is, I think, more and more over the weeks kind of pivoting to both of these guys because, you know, Michael Triggs hurt, Jackson Dart hasn't been as effective throwing the ball as they thought he would be. They don't have a lot of other receiving options there. Like, they really got to lean on these two guys, and they can, looks like they can handle it. Yeah, it does. And I mean, like you said, just because one of these guys does well doesn't mean the other one has to not be good. Uh, one of my few good calls from last week was starting both of these guys. Um, I mean, Judkins and Evans are both very good running backs. It's okay, guys. We can just say they're both really good. It's okay. One doesn't have to be better than the other. We don't have to talk about how you know, Zach Evans, should, people were saying Zach Evans was going to run away with this in, in SEC play, and he hasn't. And, you know, other people saying, well, Quinshawn Judkins is so much better. He should be getting more run. They're both good. Just enjoy the ride. Um, la- uh, Two more talking points here. Donovan Edwards actually had himself a good game this week, a guy that I have dropped 10 or so spots in my Debbie rankings for this year. He's been banged up, uh, but hasn't been crazy effective. Uh, even when he has been playing, but in this one, 16 carries, 173 yards, two touchdowns, a couple of back-breaking, uh, longer touchdown runs there against Penn State. I know you said you didn't want to talk about this game, Colin. I'm going to make you do it here for a second. Um, how good did Edwards look just ramming it down Penn State's throat this weekend? Um, Blake Corum looked better. But no, Evans Evans looked so, good. Evans so provided. you had a back that looked that had put up that stat line and he didn't look as good as the other guy? Yeah, it was uh, it was a death by a thousand cuts in the first half there. They just handed the ball off to Corum and he would get five yards here, four yards there, seven yards here. Um, you know, they did a good job, Ben, not break in the first half, but eventually their defense just got so tired. Their offense couldn't sustain drives at all. So Donovan Edwards did look really good. Uh, he did. He had a couple backbreaking runs, like you said, where he just kept getting first downs, carrying drives out, extending them. Um, so nice to see signs of life for him, but I think I need to see a little bit more for him before I vault him back up to where he was, um, just given the context of this uh, this offense, because he really did most of his damage in the second half uh, against a defense that was just so worn out already because Michigan bullied them all game long. Uh, last point here, and I think this is a big one, bearing the lead a little bit here. Uh, Jordan Addison was injured in the USC game. He was seen on crutches, uh, I believe, on the sideline during the game. Um, I had a decent game before he went down, so at least you know you didn't get burned on that one. Um, but you know, you're you're probably looking to fill uh, his shoes here moving forward. Uh, in his absence, Mario Williams, have yourself a day. Um, had a hundred was one hundred seventy yards, one hundred eighty yards. I'm trying to look it up here real quick. Yeah, it was um, a four for one forty five. Yeah, it was it was a big day. Um, I believe somebody had said to sit him. It wasn't me. It wasn't me this time. Just somebody on. No, I believe it was Matt. Ah, what do you got to do? Um, yeah, he had a, he had a big day with him out. I'll be interested to see if that continues. I mean, uh, uh, Clark Phillips was on Addison for most of that game, so you know he he was not drawing their top corner, but he might be target number one here going forward. He this might be a league winning type of guy down the stretch depending on that Addison injury yeah absolutely I mean like you said seen on crutches after the game um doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an extended absence uh you know it could have just been a precautionary thing so we'll see how that unfolds 
Um, I don't know this for a fact, and I know that um, Nate will uh, message me in our Slack afterwards, but I believe Lincoln Riley was is a guy who's a little more dodgy with his injury news. Uh, yes, so we is. may not, yeah, so we may not know the extent of this injury for a little while. Uh, it may just be like, uh, yeah, he's, he's close. He's day to day, you know, we'll see when he gets back out there kind of a thing over and over and over again. But Mario Williams is going to be a, uh, stud for fantasy here while, while Addison is out. Um, all right. So let's move on here, Colin, this podcast, before we hop into stock up, stock down is a part of the fantasy points media group along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, Play to Win, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Evan Porras, Dynasty Vipers, Smoke Show Triple Play, the FFB Familia Podcast, Preferred Lines Podcast, the Fantasy Points Podcast. They do a ton of other podcasts. we got um, uh, Full Tilts on there now. They were just welcomed in, so welcome to the group Full Tilt. Welcome, welcome. Uh, and, and they do a ton of other uh, shows throughout the week as well via YouTube and other streams. So you can check all of these out on one place at Fantasy Points Live. Or you can check out the weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Promo code CAMPUS22 gets you 10% off if you're headed over toward Fantasy Points. So if you're doing that, check it out. CAMPUS22, 10% off. Stock up, stock down here, Colin. This can be CFF. It can be C2C. It can be Debbie. You know how this works. I know how this works. The people knows how this works by now. What? Who do you like stock up based on this week? Uh, first guy I have here is a guy that we had talked about uh, already a little bit earlier, um, but he's my guy, so I'm going to talk about him again. Uh, Trey Palmer. He, massive, massive game this week, but he's just been steady Eddie, Mr. Consistent all year this year. He leads the country in receiving yards, 781, 10th uh, in the country in scrimmage yards, 849. So, you know, he's getting used in a couple of different ways here. And it's a on a team that lost their head coach already very early in the season. The team's kind of in shambles, um, you know, but he's still good. He's still the number one wide receiver in a Mark Whipple offense. I think he's going to parlay this season into uh, the draft. I mean, he could return if he wanted to. He has another year of eligibility, um, but I see him leaving this year. He'll be a senior bowl candidate as COVID related. Um, he was a four-star recruit too. You know, he's the number 18 wide receiver in that class, went to LSU. Unfortunately for him, he gets stuck behind J Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, then Keishon Boutte. A lot of talent there in that. Um, you know, was a year one zero, like you pointed out in our Discord um, today. So, you know, he didn't quite hit there on special teams, but was used on special teams there. So if, you know, he if he wasn't in that situation, I, I feel pretty good that he would have been a non-year one zero and we would have been talking about him sooner. But the situation at Nebraska is lining up really well. And I think he's a guy that is going to be liked at the Senior Bowl. He's going to be a draft ride process riser. He has some inside-outside versatility, 71% of snaps in the slot, 29% out wide. Um, he's 6'1", 190, so he's, he's versatile. So I, I like Trey Palmer a lot. Counterpoint, he was a year 1-0, <laughs> and his weighted dominator and receiving uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt over his first three years were atrocious. Yes, they were. Mm -hmm. So He would be an I, outlier. I can't, uh, I can't get on this, but... I like that you are, Colin. I like that you are. 
He would be an outlier. Uh, I think he'll be a fringe day two, more likely early day three kind of a guy. So never know. NFL a... teams do dump the Bellis Jones went in the third round. Doesn't make That's a good, good point. But you know, the capital can be there. Um I I have Aronde Gadsden up as my first stock up here, Colin. Um he's big, he's fast, really good athlete, NFL bloodlines. His dad was in the NFL. Um and he has really become the go-to guy here in the Syracuse offense for Garrett Schrader. In the first two games of the year, you know, they didn't really use him a ton. Three targets each of those first two games. But since then, eight targets, nine targets, four targets, ten targets. Uh, and he's parlayed that into uh, a pretty big numbers. He's averaging 16.4 yards per reception this year. He's got five touchdowns. I like they're working him downfield, intermediate, long stuff. He's, he's got an eight out over 12, which is, is pretty dang solid there. Uh, slot percentage, 77.2%. So there's you kind of using him as a mismatch guy there, which I like again, because I'm not sure. I haven't sat down and watched him fully in detail, but he I don't know that he has necessarily a technical ability to win consistently as like an X guy in this offense. Um, but he's been really, really good there for them. 3.21 yards per route run. I mean, pretty much any metric that you go through, 154 yards after the catch. Like you can just keep going on and on. He, he looks good in basically all of these. He is kind of the new... Dontavian Wicks for an eye. Like that's just kind of the role that he's filling in this offense. Does that make him a great draft prospect? I don't know because we saw Wicks without an eye this year and he's been a train wreck. Some of that could probably be attributed to Tony Elliott. Um, but I think that he's as good of a dart throw as anybody. And he's, you know, we're going to talk about him in our uh, waiver section here. He's still less than 20% owned on fan tracks. I believe he's 16% total. That's really, really low. I think he's definitely a guy you should be picking up because um, I think he, Schrader looks better this year passing the ball, and he's his main weapon. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. I think he'll put up some pretty good numbers down the stretch. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, like he's – I had been trying to figure out who the wide receiver one was going to be in the Syracuse offense all offseason. I ended up with a stupid amount of Courtney Jackson late in drafts because it seemed stupid like he was, amount. He was seemed like he was going to be the guy. Like I would take him in rounds 40 to 45, somewhere in that range. And it's a Ronde Gadsden. And he, like you said, I think he's going to play that Dontavian Wicks role. It's going to be a good, uh, it's going to be a good role for fantasy. You know, we'll see what it ends up being for the NFL, but you know, he is now a guy that should be on all fantasy radars here after this past, past couple performances. And we'll talk about him in a little bit, but he was also mentioned uh, on a previous show as a, as a watch list guy. And he has yeah. now graduated. Yay. They Yay. grow up so fast. They really do. Uh, my next um, stock up here. So I put somebody on the sheet, but we already talked about Jalen Hyatt. So I'm going to flip it here. Um, Puka Nasua is a guy who's stock up here after this week. Um, battling injuries here all year so far. I mean, he had a, a nice um, performance week one, and he's been hurt off and on. Seems like he might. He seems like he's back fully healthy this week because he got a full workload here. Um, 12 targets, eight catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Six carries, 20 yards, and two touchdowns. He actually has four rushing touchdowns on the year, um, which is kind of surprising. But they're using him in a couple of different ways here. Will an NFL team ever use him that way? No, probably not. But as long as he's back fully healthy here and they're using him like this, he's going to be a guy that'll be a fantasy asset down the stretch for you. Um, 
in this BYU offense that, you know, they their schedule is interesting the rest of the way. They get Boise State. That's going to be tough. But they get Liberty, ECU, um, Dixie State or Dixon. I'm not even sure what that one is. That's an FCS school. And then Stanford. So fairly soft down the stretch there. Like I, say, I think you're going to be able to use him. He was also a, a guy who had a pretty high draft uh, recruiting pedigree too. four-star guy, number 22 wide receiver in that class goes to Washington, gets a little bit of action early on. There's some issues going on with him and that coaching staff, which now it sounds like kind of just the issue more with the coaching staff than maybe with him. Um, and he's been playing well at BYU when he's been healthy. So um, big stock up from him this week uh, and, you know, CFF value moving forward. If you get anything, Debbie value cherry on top. I have Tet McMillan as my other stock up here, Colin. Um, and this is for this week, but I think it, this has been uh, growing over the past few weeks. And I think it deserves uh, mention here on the show. You know, I still am not super bullish on him and his NFL prospects. I know, as I know some people are, I don't think he's a bad player or anything. He, he could be a D2 guy. Um, I just don't necessarily always love these, these tall, uh, guys that maybe struggle to separate at times. But Ted McMillan has been really, really good for Arizona this year. He's basically uh, him and Cowling. Ka- I have a hard time calling them a 1A and 1B because Cowling has been so productive. But realistically, from a target perspective, I mean, he's been up there. Uh, he had two targets in week three against North Dakota State. But every week other than that, he's had at least six targets. He had eight against San Diego State, 12 against Mississippi State, six against Cal, 10 against Colorado, seven against Oregon, and now nine this past week here against Washington, and he's turning those targets into something. 28 catches on the year, 470 yards, and six touchdowns. Two of those came this past game uh, against Washington, where he put up seven for 132 and two. He's basically – he's switching between slot and the boundary, which I think is interesting. I wouldn't necessarily have pegged him to be a big slot bully early in his career here, but he has been doing that. in his A dot, he's been working downfield pretty dang far. His A dot 16.6 right now. So that's the role they've got him in. I think there is a chance, and people talked about this pre, you know, during the prospect or the process of him being a prospect, that could he could develop into like a Drake London type profile? You know, he's a dual sport guy, uh, volleyball, not basketball, but but um, focusing on something else other than football for part of the year, which gives him a unique athletic profile. Um, London kind of started out as a deep guy and then kind of learned to work short intermediate stuff. I'm interested to see if Ted McMillan can make that same exact transition. And I think it's a hard one to make. So I wouldn't feel, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to do it, but I think there's a better chance than I thought that he would early this year. Um, he definitely, so, yeah, he definitely had his, his fans um, this off season here. I know there were a couple people, um, Rich Adams, um, C2C fanatics, uh, over with uh, a member of uh, Brandon's team, the Devi to Dynasty guys, Devi Deep, formerly Devi Deep guys. I know he was big on him. Um, uh, there were a, a number of other people who were as well. And I was a little bit lower on him. He was very raw. You know, getting on the field early was never really a big question, given that he was his recruiting pedigree and that he was at Arizona. Um, so it's nice to see him taking advantage of that opportunity. I'm still in wait and see mode in terms of Debbie aspect. There's definitely a ceiling there, but is he, you know, one of those like high ceiling guys who just never really hits it? I don't really know yet. I'll have to dig into his tape uh, more this off season and, and figure that out a little bit more. Cause I was lower on him as well. So nice to see him doing well. Nice to see a stock up there. 
you're muted. Yeah, we were too we were too low on him as a group. I um I I think that's probably a miss on our part. Um stock down, Colin. Stock down is more um, from a CFF perspective here, but it's all of the Washington State wide receivers. Um, look, Washington State is third in pass yards per or thirty third in pass yards per game, so there is volume there. Um, it's just been spread out a lot more than we thought it would. I mean, none of these wide receivers have been usable for fantasy. Um, Dejon Stribling, the guy that everybody had pegged as the number one wide receiver, and he is. You know, he has 50 targets on the year. He is leading the team in targets. Um, but for fantasy purposes, he has had like a big game or two and then just several duds. He's averaging 12.5 fantasy points per game. He has four games with single-digit fantasy points, including last three in a row. And in the last three games, he has three receptions in each of those games. Like, that's it. Despite seeing a good amount of targets uh, last week, I think he saw 12 targets and then three receptions on him. So that's not good. Um, and then the other guy that's been getting the most amount of targets there, Donovan Ali, he is 46. Um, so pretty close to stribbling. The next closest there is 31 with Robert Farrell. Um, but Donovan Ali, 11.2 fantasy points per game. Now he has one game over 13 fantasy points. Um, so these guys have been pretty much unusable and compared to where you took them, that's not a good thing at all. Like I said, this passing offense, Cam Ward, has been solid, uh, especially given his first year jumping from the FCS up to the Power Five level. But these wide receivers are are rough right now. Yeah, not a great group there. We'll see if they can bring in somebody else this offseason. Uh, my big stock down for this week is Trayshawn Holden, who I will give, you know, for as much as we missed on Ted McMillan, I think we nailed our analysis of Trayshawn Holden, who basically got a starting job by default to start this year in this Bama offense because of all the question marks and injuries and youth that they had. And now that we're seeing them get into the meat of this SEC schedule, we are completely watching his role uh, disappear, which is basically almost exactly what we said was going to happen with him. Uh, his targets have steadily declined basically all season. The past two weeks here, uh, one target against Texas A&M, two against Tennessee, uh, he had five the, the week before that against Arkansas, but did basically nothing with them. Two catches for 14 yards. He's just not dynamic at all. Like He's not a good athlete. He's not an NFL prospect. He's just this tall guy that kind of can get – like he creates a tiny bit of separation which uh, like right at the snap, which is really nice for a quarterback when you don't have any other options. But he just is – like the ceiling here is just so incredibly low. Like this is like a crawl space underneath your house. Like that's how low the ceiling is in this <laughs> – He's not a good player. I don't know how he stayed at Bama all this time. I guess he's a good glue guy, maybe a good locker room guy. But I figure that this role for him is probably going to be what we're going to see the rest of the season. And honestly, with how these freshmen uh, are developing currently, he might just be without a job next year. So uh, Treshawn Holden, I think, just huge stock down. You, If you were buying him at the start of the year because he, he was getting some run there, I think you, uh, you're probably regretting that one. You probably want that one back. Yeah, I don't think uh, any of us were really advocating buying him. If anything, we were advocating selling him because, like I said, we, I think we were pretty spot on with our analysis of this and with the way that the freshmen have been kind of coming along and the way that this passing attack has looked early in the year with him having a prominent role and now it kind of picking up some steam with the freshmen, you know, getting more run, I could definitely see him being phased out. 
he his yards after the catch like it's just it's so bad it's, it's he averages like three yards after the catch per reception like it's like zach Ertz out here like just not not a good athlete um so so um stock down on him i want to talk a little bit before we move on here to waiver wire colin but let's mix this up a little bit let's get a little crazy let's talk about just some big movers and surprises on the season as a whole you know we kind of break we do this segment each week we kind of break it down you know this week this guy had a good week maybe this is building for a few weeks but we haven't really talked or acknowledged just you know wholesale large changes that we've made in our rankings i think there's some obvious names that we don't necessarily need to discuss like it's obvious why they've shifted a lot for us you guys like drake may who's you know relative to you know he hasn't moved 100 spots but he's he's bumped up to the top of that discussion at quarterback quinchon judkins at ole miss there we, we talked about him a little bit earlier uh jade not freshman running back at um at cal cj donaldson another one there at west virginia uh but not the past couple weeks with injury but but he's been electric here early like there there are definitely some obvious names but do you have any non-obvious names um uh, good or bad that that have moved around a lot in your rankings here that we just don't get in you chose all names of guys that we talk about all the time on this show you totally did not understand the assignment for, for the record well then who is it on if i didn't understand the assignment it's on, well, it's, you, on it's on the person who created the assignment colin the names clear. i wrote down were keon coleman and moose muhammad you wrote down raheem sanders and kendra miller all right, well, you start, and then let me let me find some other ones. But Raheem Sanders, huge year, guy that we, you know, he's proving that he can be a bell cow here. He's proving he can run between tackles. But go ahead, go ahead, go with go ahead with your guy. Let me let me scramble here. Let me find somebody else. Sorry that I have to stall for you while you do your job. Uh, Keon Coleman's a guy that's risen up for me, and I think I really wish that Michigan State had competent quarterback play because I think we'd think a lot differently about him, about Jaden Reed, about Jeremy Bernard, all these guys, uh, Malik Carr, been pretty solid at tight end for them. Honestly, all those guys, I think have NFL futures, but Coleman is a guy that I was pretty skeptical on coming into school. He had a, a weird track background and then he was a basketball guy as well. I believe he's still listed on the Michigan state basketball team, but I don't know that he's like a guy that actually plays there. Um, but he's, he's got 51 targets on the year. He, he's a mainstay in this offense, 31 catches, 393 yards, five touchdowns. He's not uh, the thing about him, which I think he'll probably be a day three guy, at least from what I've watched right now is he's not super fluid out of cuts yet, but I do think he has some flexibility um, to maybe improve in that regard, but he does use his bigger frame, six, four, two, ten, uh, to kind of box out, box out defenders. He can be physical. Um, he's increased his efficiency at the beginning of the year, you know, four catches on nine targets and two catches on eight targets in his first two games. And since then he's, um he's been catching almost everything coming his way um he's not a super versatile chess piece at this moment in time but like he was like 150th in my rankings or something like i thought i thought bernard would would overtake him this year and he's flashed but he hasn't um and he's kind of really filled that void when Jaden reed is missing some time uh with injury so like i mean he's run like four routes out of the slot like he's all boundary um and he's not crazy dynamic after the catch but he has been that kind of one of those intermediate possession guys and he can do some work in the red zone i i think he's a nice piece for cf or for c2c teams because you're not necessarily having to rely on him as a a devy option i i think he has some devy upside but not a ton but i i mean he's he's like 75 or 80 now in my rankings like he's bumped up considerably might even be a little higher than that okay did um, you find another name while i was looking while i was talking I did. You're probably going to yell at me for this one too. Oh but, uh, my! 
Bryce uh, Young's been good this year, huh? No, it's uh, it's Evan Hall uh, running back for Northwestern. Is that acceptable? Is that... Uh, fine, fine. Um, I mean, so coming into the year, nobody was really expecting him to be the lead back there. We were kind of most people were kind of leaning towards Cam Porter or that it was going to be a split. Um, but Evan Hall has been, you know, phenomenal to start the year here. Uh, and and doing it in more than just the the running game, you know, he had that 14 catch, 213 yard uh, performance uh, against Duke. Uh, but you know, on the year, 36 receptions, 405 yards. So he's doing it in the run game. He's doing it in the pass game as well. Had a bit of a down week the uh, the past two weeks uh, against Penn State in a, a very sloppy, um, rainy game. Um, and then against Wisconsin last week, but Wisconsin, if there's one thing that they do well, it's, it's run defense. So, you know, they, they're kind of excusable performances there. The last two, it'll be interesting to see how he does down the stretch here. Um, cause you know, he'll get some, some more difficult games coming up there as well. He'll, he'll get Minnesota, Illinois has been, uh, very good. So I think we'll see him tested time and again here, but he's got good size, 5'11, 210 pounds. Got some receiving game work there. He's a guy that wasn't even on my Devi radar really at all, um, despite Noah Hills mentioning him before. I just never really thought he was going to be much of a Devi asset, and he has definitely risen the C2C and Devi rankings. Um, I put uh, Moose Muhammad as my other guy here, who is the son of Moose Muhammad. If anybody remembers him, he was on that Carolina Panthers Super Bowl team. Not the... Cam Newton won the one before that with Jake DeLome and Steve Smith <laughs> and he hate me. And uh, that was a really fun team uh, for those too young to remember um, lost to the Patriots in a very close Super Bowl. Another one of those um, last minute uh, kick type deals that they specialized in there when Tom Brady was there. Um, this is, this is his son who's Muhammad the third. He's a Texas A&M wide receiver. Um, I had pretty much left him for dead. I kind of liked him coming out, but he just really hadn't done anything the first couple of years they don't have a track record of developing wide receivers who kind of beat that horse to death on the show. And then, uh, you know, bringing in all these guys over the past couple of years, you know, DeMoss, he didn't stick there, but it's, you know, a, a guy that's way higher rated that a uh, big athletic profile. And then Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall this year and some other guys, like it just didn't look like it was ever really going to happen there for him, but it, it took an, uh, an injury to Aeneas Smith. Like let's not bury that either. Like he, he wasn't starting without him there, but once Smith went down, they had to plug somebody else in, and Muhammad has kind of been that guy. Like Stewart's been productive; he's been good, but Muhammad, uh, with two weeks with Smith out, uh, nine targets, six catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown against Mississippi State. Then against Bama, he had eight targets, he had six catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. He's um, he's kind of like quicker than he is fast, but he's got decent size. He's listed at six one, one ninety five. He mostly plays out of the slot right now. Uh, but he's creating a decent amount of separation, decent amount of yardage after the catch. Uh, higher ADOT than you would think, a 13.4, although that's dropped since he's kind of taken over the Smith role. Been 13.2 and 9.9 the past couple weeks uh, with him gone. So he's he's showing he's a little has a little versatility in terms of short, intermediate, and long type stuff. I think he's a pretty good athlete. So I'm intrigued to see what happens. You know, does Smith come back next year now that he's had this injury? Or does he move on to the NFL? Uh, if he doesn't, does does Muhammad have a role moving forward? Because he's he's been pretty solid there. I I I've put he was not in my Debbie rankings and he was not in my C two C rankings and I believe I've added him into both places uh, at this point. I believe I did that yesterday, so those rankings should be updated on the website. 
Yeah, my next uh, stock up here is hopefully a guy that meets Austin's approval on this one. Um, Probably Jalen Jalen Daniels, um, quarterback for Kansas. Um, you know, definitely a big stock up in C two C leagues for the CFF side of things. You know, we kind of uh, expected him to have a nice year this year, but I mean, he's been having a fantastic year this year. He was a big uh, reason why Kansas was you know five and zero going into that game. You know, he's had some some really nice performances here and. You know, they uh, they end up winning that game or they end up coming back in that game against TCU when he goes down. It'll be interesting to see. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on that injury, see how long he's going to be. Is he confirmed out for the rest of the year? Jalen Daniels? No, I think okay. that was a psyop by okay. Leipold to like figure out if there was a leak in his okay his department because <laughs> they released that story. And then like an hour later, he tweeted out that picture of Jalen Daniels sitting in his office or whatever. So I don't think he's okay. out for the year. It's unclear, okay. but I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Okay. It was, that's what I thought. Was, I knew it was, it was a little. It was Tyrion on on uh, Game of Thrones where he, he, nice he tells reference. the the whole council, yeah, the different places he's shipping Marcella off. Yeah. Different things. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we'll see if he ends up coming back here. But so C2C perspective, definitely a big stock up. Um, Devi perspective, he's entered my radar for sure. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch some of those games early on in the year. Um, you know, the Duke game. He had a huge game, 324 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, he had 100 yards on the ground against Houston. So is he just a CFF guy? Is there some Debbie potential there? He's at least on the radar. I've heard some some float uh, comps floated around a little bit, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor-esque. Um, and I could I could see that from, from what I've seen him play so far. Um, but either way, even if he doesn't end up being – necessarily a Debbie asset that we love um definitely a good c2c asset if i remember correctly he's just struggling with deep accuracy which is kind of a red flag uh for me but i don't have that stat in front of me to confirm that and i'm not gonna go look it up so um maybe i'm just making stuff up now uh one i, I did ask us to each put one you know negative mover as well for us and i think the I, i've got a couple you know Tyler Buckner, his his value in my eyes is completely uh, crumbled here in the early season. A guy like Kendall Milton uh, has been okay, but like I, I still kind of held out hope that he'd be like a top 15, 16 guy. And Debbie, and he's down in the 30s here for me. Um, but the the big one that I that I have is, is the whole UVA offense, really. Brendan Armstrong and all those guys. You know, Armstrong. I don't think he ever legit had legitimate like you know day one, day two upside. But for CFF, C2C purposes, we liked him a lot. He still has a couple years of eligibility left if he wants it. Um, he, you know, this was a high-volume pass attack last year, and he was missing a lot of his weapons last year. You know, Lavelle Davis was out. Uh, Kemp and Thompson, I believe, both missed some time. So they, they had the, the quad, the quad, I don't know, what the, the, the group all back. Um, yeah, it's like the duo, the trio, the... I don't know. Quartet. Duh. Thank you. <laughs> I definitely don't feel dumb at all. Um, you shouldn't. <laughs> but but they've been so bad. I think a lot of it, like you, like Tony Elliott's totally nuked. Like he's he is. I've never seen somebody fail upwards like he has. Like ever. I've also never been in the military. I've heard that's a thing there. Um, <laughs> so maybe I know mean, I'm not the most qualified to talk about this. But I've I've never seen somebody fail upward like he has. Like he was garbage at clemson and then somehow got this head coaching job where he's been garbage here but even if like these guys like he sh he shouldn't be bad enough to just totally kill 
this group of guys, even with the poor offensive line play. So I, I think they've been a big disappointment for me. Uh, a guy like Dontavian Wick, some people were hyping up as maybe like a round three draft pick. I don't think he gets anywhere near that at this point. Uh, Keaton Thompson was considered, you know, could he be a Debo-ish kind of guy? I don't think so. Uh, like, I just think this whole offense, whatever hopes we had for them moving forward are just totally, totally gone. And I, UPA didn't seem like one of those places is going to fire Tony Elliott after one year. I could be no. wrong, but I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will either. Um, and I don't know what scheme Tony Elliott necessarily runs, but the, yeah, I mean, the, I don't, he could probably use the excuse that he didn't have the pieces for it. So we'll see how that one ends up. Um, my bad here, my stock down. Uh, I was going to say the 2023 QBs, but uh, clearly that's not acceptable to you. So will you accept 2024 QBs? Is that acceptable to you? Uh, disappointing? Yeah. Um, I mean, Ewers, Williams, we knew those guys were going to be good. Um, that's, you know, that's the Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud of this class. Drake May actually looks like he's going to put a, a third QB on there, but everybody else has been very disappointing. Uh, we had some hopes for Tyler Buckner. He's fallen pretty much off the face of the Devi map. Um, Jalen Milrow, if you had any hope for him, it's, it's, it's hanging on by a thread. Jackson Dart uh, has definitely fallen in my rankings as well. I'm not ready to give up on him. I know some people are, but hard to say that he's not at least a faller here. JJ McCarthy, not a guy that I'm really sold on yet. I mean, he just, he makes some pretty poor decisions. Like there was one throw in that Penn state game that I have no idea how that pass got completed. It should not have been, it should have been a pick. He just like pressure in his face, just lofts one up towards the sideline and somehow floats it over the one defender and a, def and a receiver comes back and makes a catch there. Um, it was a horrible throw. He's not a very good decision maker. He still really struggles inside of structure. He has certainly has time to develop and he has a lot of these tools here, but I don't know. It might just be who he is at this point. We'll see if, if there's a game where Michigan has to rely on him um, to win a game. Can he do it? Um, Kyle McCord, Ty Thompson, same Heward, all guys that we had hopes for. None of these guys are seeing the field at all this year. They're going to need to transfer. Um, cause I still think that Devin Brown is more talented than Kyle McCord. Um, you know, so there's, there's some other guys on there as well. Clay Millen was a guy that some people maybe had some hope for hard, hard pass there on that one. Um, there's just not really a lot out there besides the top two and then Drake may. So I have a rant coming and this isn't directed at you, Colin. It's hard to feel like it's not you when you preface it. it that way. You triggered this. This okay. is not. This is not meant to come at you. I promise. I don't know where everybody has all have gotten all of a sudden gotten the idea that two or three very strong quarterback prospects in a class makes it an unappealing class. We don't need more than two or three guys in a class. Like the expectation because of two thousand and twenty one where we had five quarterbacks go in the first round, even though five may have not deserved to go in the first round, has really, really skewed what everybody thinks. of. If you look back the last decade, you've had basically most years two or three guys. In the years that we've had more than that, the third or fourth guys have sucked. We had 2012, which was a decade ago. We had Luck. We had RG3. We had Tannehill. We had Whedon. In 2013, we only had EJ Manuel. 2014, Bortles. 
uh, Manziel, Bridgewater. 15, we had Jameis and Mariota. And 16, we had Goff, Wentz, Lynch. 2017, Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson. 2018, Baker, Darnold, Josh Allen, Rosen, Lamar Jackson. 2019, Kyler, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. 2020, Burrow to uh, Herbert. Love, dumb. <laughs> that, that 2021 class, and then this year with one. Like, two or three quarterbacks is, is a great quarterback class. Everyone's – well, next 2024 is better because they have three quarterbacks, and we only have two this year. <laughs> two is great. Two quarterbacks of the level of pro- – we didn't have any that were this level last year. I don't understand where this thought process has come from, guys. We get an extra year on tape, and we sour on freaking everybody around here. Have some damn spine and be fine with two or three quarterbacks in a class. We don't need more. We don't need more. It's it's the There are 25 people at any given time to play quarterback at a decent level for the NFL. And you expect us to find six in a given year? <laughs> Holy shit. Come on, stop being dumb. I'm sorry. That's that's the end. That's the end. You feel better? Got that out now? <sighs> yes, okay. I do. Wow, that's been that's been weighing on me for a while. Yeah, I can tell yeah. that one. That one's probably been keeping you up at night. Yes, it has. Yeah, I thought so. You really unloaded there. Um, yes, clearly not directed at me in no shape, no way. No, shape but you when you were like, like, we only like we we only have three and nothing. It's like. You'll take your three and you'll like it. <laughs> That's just how I feel about this. Well, what I'm saying is there were guys that we had a lot of hope for and they have not. So uh, isn't isn't that just how the player pool works? Typically, we start yeah. out with like 12 guys. We were like, any of these 12 could be uh, could be your guy. And then, you know, they drop off slowly and get to the end. And you got two or three. That's just how it works. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. <laughs> Enough about that. Uh, waiver wire here, guys. We did. Uh, we are doing uh, our weekly Tuesday morning show on the YouTube. Waiver wire Tuesdays. Uh, not a lot of names this week. Look, last week, guys, I wrote our waiver article. Uh, this week, I was at a wedding and had some other stuff going on. Was not able to write it, but I'll be back this week moving forward. Last week's article I wrote, I tried to kind of teach you guys. I didn't want to give you guys a fish. I wanted to teach you guys how to fish because there are a lot of ways to kind of maneuver your way through your individual leagues, which are all so very different from each other, depending on you know how many waiver ads you get a year, how sharp your league mates are, the starting requirements. Do you have taxi spots? Like how big are rosters? Like there's just so many different variables that can change who's available. So what I said, you know, go to players, sort by last week, Look at how many points they scored. Look at ownership percentages. Look at their past few games. You can kind of get an idea of who you should be picking up because I can't account uh, for all those different variables when I write that article, and we can't account for all of them when we do these shows. We have three names this week. It's very slim pickings at this point. If you're relying on the waiver wire to win a league, I think at this point you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, but there are still some guys out there, and we just want to highlight those here real quick. You have two names that you, we think you should pick up, even if you have you know four, eight wa- limited waiver ads, four maybe total throughout the year. Uh, you have aforementioned Gadsden is one here for all the reasons we listed earlier. Fifteen percent rostered in fan tracks. Realistically, in active leagues, that's probably closer to sixty percent, um, maybe a little lower than that. But still, like he's available in a lot of leagues out there, and if he's available, you should go get him. Um, you know, athleticism, the A dot, the targets, eight plus and three of the last four games. 
uh, his NFL bloodlines, like all these things make him an attractive player. I think he should be rostered in closer to 80% of leagues and he's not even close. So go get Gadsden. Yeah. I mean, I like that call on Gadsden. Like I said, he was a guy that we had um, touched on previously as a guy who was on the watch list. Nice to see him graduate to the ad list here. Another guy that we had had on the watch list graduating to the ad list here, Casey Filkins uh, running back for Stanford. Uh, still only 16% owned. Um, so that's that's still pretty low, especially for the bell cow running back at Stanford. And Stanford just very clearly uses one guy. Um, they really just use a bell cow. They ride one running back. They give him a ton of touches. Last week, he had 32 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Eight targets as well. Um, four receptions for 46 yards. So 36 touches, 40 potential touches there, um, which is just massive, massive volume. Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much what you're picking up Casey Filkins for is just a volume play. You know, as he's had um, 20 carries, 19 carries, 21 carries, 32 carries the last couple games there. So just and then he's also seen a bunch of targets as well. Eight, five, six, three. So tons of volume here from him. It's not going to be super efficient. It's not going to be flashy, but he's just going to be steady and consistent. Uh, and at this point in time, running backs are pretty thin. This is a pretty rough week for bye weeks as well. So we need a bye week fill in. Um, and he's also a guy that you can use the rest of the way out as well. You mean my leagues with Jordan Mims, Nathaniel Pete, Christopher Brooks, and uh, uh, Dominic Richardson. Maybe he's a guy that I want for this week. You might. You might want him. I might. Okay. Uh, well, how about Mar Marion Lukes? talked about earlier there at CMU. It's so weird because CMU is also Carnegie Mellon University, which is here in Pittsburgh. And that's where my mind goes every single time. But in this instance, we're talking Central Michigan, not Carnegie Mellon. 3% um, rostered on fan tracks. Lou Nichols out last week. As we said, 26 carries, 162 yards, two touchdowns, six targets, four catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown through the air. If Nichols continues to miss time, then I think Luke's is... This is a Kalen LeBorn situation from earlier this year where you can plug him in and play him for a few weeks because he's going to get some nice volume. And, you know, Nichols leaves us offseason. He's got a a heads up kind of on this job, which I think is valuable as well. So this one, a weird one, where maybe you get like immediate, immediate production, then nothing down the stretch, and then helps you next year. Kind of a weird setup overall, but it is what it is at this stage in the season. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what's going on with Lou Nichols either. So um, it could be short-lived, could be a whole season. But they also, CMU, uh, like everybody thinks of Lou Nichols as their big bell cow there. And and he he has been over the last like year and a half to two years. But prior to that, they used Nichols and Kobe Lewis. Like that was like a timeshare. They used both of those guys. So it's not unprecedented for these running for this uh, offense to use multiple running backs. So even if Lou Nichols does come back, um, you know, this year and then next year, I, I think that Luke's is a guy that could still maintain some value on his own. Um, but yeah, there's a couple other guys that, you know, Elijah Spencer is a guy, he's 21% owned. So he's a little bit higher on here. He might be owned in your league, but if he's not, I would definitely take a look at him. He's actually 15th in the country in receiving yards uh, with 641. He's a big play threat. Um, 
that he's like that type of a player. So you know, he can take off the top of a defense. He averages 20 yards per reception. Um, so if he's available, that's another guy that I would take a look at. Um, and then uh, Colin Lacey, wide receiver, South Alabama, is a guy that has been um, having a nice couple of weeks uh, these past couple of weeks. He's only 3% rostered. He had 13 targets last week, 133 yards and a touchdown. Um, so that's another guy that I would keep an eye on there. He's got double-digit fantasy weeks in each of the last five games. So, Boom. That's your waiver Boom. wire segment for the week. Oh, and- one more thing. Don't rush to pick up Gavin Holmes. I know he had that huge game uh, against West Virginia, um, but that was essentially his entire season in one game. He had seven catches, 210 yards, and a touchdown. He has 16 catches for 390 yards and three touchdowns on the year. So Sounds like he's just heating up. Yeah. He's going to double that again next week. Woo. So maybe we'll watch list him, but uh, he's not a guy to pick up. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good shout. Um, last little bit here, Colin. We're going to do our start sits. Um, apparently, you did not do them last week. Apparently, that was a good thing. Um, <laughs> I put them in an article form. Um, I had a couple couple good calls in there. Said to sit Cam Ward. Um, that would have been a hit. Um, Zach will or uh, Zach uh, Evans and, and Quintron Judkins both both good, but we'll ignore the rest of them. We're back onto the back into the competition. All right, yeah, we're 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 moving forward on to Cincinnati. Um, on to Cincinnati. All, all right. Uh, for anybody who doesn't remember how this works, early week start sits here. We each pick ten starts, ten sits. We do not share our lists with each other. We can have the same names because obviously we don't know. Um, and then we keep track every week and we keep score. Um, we will update the score for you guys next week here. Um, we're very, very close right now. We're basically, we have the same amount of, of hits and I have two more misses. So like we're, we're right beside each other. Um, so without further ado, Colin, you want to go ahead and uh, kick us off for starts? Um, yeah. Um, uh, let me scroll back and find it here. First start that I have is Clayton Toon. Um, he has three straight games with two or more passing touchdowns. Monster, monster week last week, 42.3 fantasy points. Um, last week here, he's just kind of starting to heat up. Uh, and then he gets Navy this week. Navy allows 274.5 pass yards, uh, per game which is, I wrote down 111th, so quick math on the other end of that would be, what, 20? 20th most in the country? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 20th most in the country. They give up a ton of pass yards here. Uh, they really have not been able to get the run game going uh, in, in Houston, so I'm firing up Clayton Toon this week. Yeah, and honestly, I think one of the biggest slam dunk starts of the week, even though you're going to start him anyway, like it wouldn't surprise me if he's the lead scorer on the week is Nathaniel Dell. Matthew Golden, he's apparently out with a rib injury. Um, Dell might have like 12 catches for 185 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like that, that might be his week. Um, my first up here, I have picked two quarterbacks. Jeff Sims first. Jeff Sims playing against Virginia. Uh, Virginia has played uh, mobile quarterbacks uh, three games in a row here, basically. Uh, they've given up four touchdowns in that span. Uh, they gave up 11 and one to Garrett Schrader, 60 and two to Riley Leonard, and then 71 and one to Brock Doman, Doman, whatever the heck his name is, the backup at Louisville. Like they don't defend 
mobile quarterbacks well at all. Jeff Sims, that's basically his calling card. He's averaged 16 rush attempts per game over his last four games. I expect a similar, you know, 80 and one at least on the ground. He hasn't been making any mistakes through the air interception wise, so he'll be fine there. This is a resurgent Georgia, Georgia Tech team. I, I like Jeff Sims this week. Like that call. Uh, my next guy that I have is Jake Bobo, wide receiver for UCLA. Um, starting off, he he's back-to-back games with two touchdowns. Um, he's coming out of the bye week here, but before that, um, two touchdowns against Utah, two touchdowns against Washington, uh, and he's really heating up here as the go-to wide receiver uh, for the UCLA Bruins team here. He has... Um, 19.9 fantasy points the against South Alabama. And then they absolutely demolished Colorado on the ground. So they didn't really need him in that one, 9.3. And then he had 32 and 17. So he's he's starting to heat up here down the stretch. Um, and this schedule, UCLA is undefeated. Um, if they want to stay undefeated, they get Oregon this week. Um, Oregon is more susceptible to the pass than they are to the rush. They allow the 13th least yards um, per carry or yards per game rushing 98 yards. Um, but they are 113th in pass yards allowed 275.3. So they allow the 28th most in the country there. UCLA is still a run heavy team. They're still going to try and run the ball here, but they may need to rely on the pass game in this one if they want to stay undefeated in a big game. So firing up Jake Bobo. I am starting Talia Tagovailoa this week against Northwestern. Um, Northwestern just made Graham Mertz look like a day one quarterback. Like they have a, a terrible pass <laughs> like defense. The Pecorino Payton. Exactly. Um, so I mean, I just think you know Maryland. That's how they're going to move the ball in this one. Um, they'll they'll get out early, um, and I think Talia probably has you know like a a three fifty and four type day in this one. Uh, uh, my next start here is Caden Prather. Um, it's a guy that I had soured on a little bit to start the year, given the role that Bryce Ford Wheaton had, but, uh, Caden Prather has at least eight targets in each of the last five games. Three of those games, double digit targets, uh, last two weeks, he's had 29, 24.9 fantasy points and 18 fantasy points the week before, um, they get Texas tech this week and the game total for this game is at 70. They're expecting this to be a high scoring game. I'm expecting this to be a high scoring game. Um, and if West Virginia is going to try and keep up with the Zach Kitley offense here, um, they're going to need Caden Prather to do it. Two air raid slash air read esque type teams. I also had Caden Prather down. And I will add, I, I don't think you said this point in there, uh, that he led WVU in targets for the first time this whole season this past weekend. I had oh. a nice game doing it. So I, I... Uh, officially, if not a passing of a guard, a, a, a 1A, 1B scenario for the rest of the year, I think. Yeah, I definitely think it's a 1A, 1B situation at the least there. Um, I knew he had, what, like 13 targets this week, I believe. It was a lot. Um, that might so have been 11, but it's somewhere in that range. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, either way, uh, I did not mention that on there, but that's good to see. Um, my next start here is uh, Ryan O'Keefe, wide receiver for UCF. Uh, he has been on fire lately. Back to back games with 30 fantasy points. Uh, he's got 100 yards and two touchdowns in back-to-back games there. Um, so that whole offense has kind of been heating up, uh, but especially um, with uh, especially Ryan O'Keefe in the passing game there. 
they get this week, they get uh, ECU, Eastern East Carolina. They allow 278.3 pass yards per game, uh, which is 18th most in the countries. They also allow a lot of explosive plays. So, and that's kind of where Ryan O'Keefe thrives. Uh, so I'm expecting another big game from O'Keefe this week. I'm starting Diedrich Parson against Colorado State. Uh, Hawaii running back. Uh, Colorado State is a bottom 30-ish rush defense. Uh, they're like bottom 34 or something like that. But bottom 30 sounds cooler. Um, and he's coming off a game against Nevada, another very poor rush defense where he had 24 carries, 136 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't expect quite that level of a day. But I still think with his, you know, he gets three to five targets a game. I think he's he hits that 20.4 that we're looking for. And this is a bad week for running backs. We talked about that earlier. So Yeah, it is a bad week for running backs. Um, but a running back that you can rely on this week, Damian Martinez. I'm starting Damian Martinez this week. Under the he, show. He finally took over the lead back at the lead of this backfield here. He led the team in carries last week with 16. 16 carries, 111 yards. Um, it looks like he's finally passed Sean Fenwick there. And this is a, an offense that we know likes to run the ball. So as long as he's the lead back, as long as he's getting carries, he's going to get the volume. They also get Colorado this week who weirdly held Jade not in check last week. I, I said on better sports <laughs> than my slam dunk the week was like 118 yards on the, between <laughs> rushing and receiving for him. He had like 45 in the first quarter and then do shit the rest of the game. I'm so confused. Yeah. I, I don't, understand what happened there in that one um but they are still just an absolutely terrible rush defense um they allow the third most yards in the country with 251 uh their fifth most in points allowed with 38 yes they held out in check last week no i don't expect them to do it again this week uh i like damian martinez um i like nathaniel pete Talking about him earlier. Um, but they're playing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's pretty bad defense all around. They actually have a worse pass defense than rush defense, but I don't think that Mizzou's going to threaten anybody through the air too much. Maybe you want to start Dominic Lovett. I almost actually used him as my my uh, my guy from this game. But Pete's getting a pretty high amount of their rush attempts throughout the year here now. Uh, he's get he like last game, uh, he got 20 versus eight basically for the rest of the backfield. So I think uh, he gets some nice volume in this one, like 130 and a touchdown, maybe. Sounds about up his alley. You also had Nathaniel Pete? No, I almost had Nathaniel Pete. Ah, and then I you went switched to love it. I switched to love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I'm no, I like I, I think Nathaniel Pete is a very good play this week. Um, but the reason I went with love it is Vanderbilt's pass defense is much worse than their run defense. Their run defense, pretty average. Uh, their pass defense is atrocious. They allow the second most pass yards in the country with 333. They allow the second most points um, with uh, 39.4. Dominic Lovett has at least five catches for 80 yards in three of the last four games. The only game he didn't uh, was against Florida. And he was banged up. He was questionable to play in that one. He's had the bye week to rest up. I think he's going to be back. Uh, And, you know, so fire Dominic Lovett up against this Vanderbilt pass defense. I'm starting Elijah Cooks this week for San Jose State. He's been getting a ton of targets over the past few weeks, uh, 28 total in his past three games. The offense generally gets a ton of pass volume. Uh, they had 40 last week. They had they had a really weird down week the week before that where they threw like 24 times or something, but then they've thrown for like 30-plus every other game. 
Um, so even though they scored 10 points last game, they still had 40 passes, and, and Cook's got a lot of that volume, had over 100 yards receiving. I expect uh, a similar outcome in this one, uh, starting Elijah Cooks. Okay, I like that one. I like that one. Um, I am starting Marshawn Lloyd this week. Uh, he has double-digit carries in each of the last three games, including 22 against Kentucky. Uh, three most recent games, 21.1, 22.6, and 34.9 fantasy points. So it seems like he's taken over that backfield here. He did it against a Kentucky defense that, you know, they're, they're solid. They're an SEC defense. Uh, they get Notre Dame this week. Notre Dame's rush defense isn't quite as good as it looks. Uh, they allow the four games where they allow over 100 yards, three games where they've allowed over 150 yards, and they've had a, allowed a rushing touchdown in every single game this year. Um, so I, I think Marshawn Lloyd is due for uh, another game here based on the volume. Notre Dame more susceptible on the run than in the pass. Uh, firing up Marshawn Lloyd. Full disclosure, I have no idea how to say this guy's last name. Carlos Carrier? Carrier? Oh. Central Michigan wide receiver. I know who he is. I don't know, yeah. how, to, I don't know how to say it either. C-A-R-R-I-E-R-E. -R -R -E. Is that E on the end? Is it, is it fancy now? I don't know. Um, W-H-I-T. E. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Central, <laughs> Central Michigan plays Bowling Green this week. Bowling Green has one of the worst pass defenses in the country. Uh, they could be missing Lou Nichols again, and we saw they're still going to get volume to the water running back is there, but you know could skew a little pass heavy. Uh, with that in mind, he is their leading receiver on the year. He's seen at least seven targets in every game and has had at least 12 targets in three of his last four. So I like him this week against Bowling Green. Maction, right. baby. Maction. Um, my next start here is J. Michael Sturdivant. Uh, wide receiver for Cal. Um, look, he had 12 targets last week. He had three games with double-digit targets there. He is the focal point of that passing attack. Now, they are a little bit more run-heavy of an offense, uh, and he has not had more than 16 fantasy points on the year, but he also has had double-digit fantasy points in every single game. They get Washington this week. Washington's pass defense allows the 33rd most yards in the country with 258.3. They're also very susceptible to these explosive play. They rank uh, 24. They give up the 24th most explosive plays in the passing game this week. Uh, their run defense is decent. It's, it's about average here, but they also score a ton of points. So I think Cal is going to have to throw the ball to keep up with Washington. They can either susceptible to some explosive plays, um, uh, so I, I think J. Michael Sturdivant is going to have a nice week this week. I like that. Uh, I'm starting Samson Evans, Eastern Michigan running back. Um, they're playing Ball State. They have one of the worst rush defenses in the country. Uh, and EMU, they abandoned the run last week. And I had double-checked with some of our CFF guys. Just I was like, did he get hurt last week? Like, what the heck happened? Oh, that's why you were asking about I Samson was told Evans. that they just abandoned the run early in this one against NIU. But the weeks before that, um, Samson received at least 20 carries in each of his, uh, previous four and actually had some weeks with like 30 plus, um, he, they use him pretty much all situations. So I think he gets back, uh, to his, his, uh, his fantasy ways here against ball state. Okay. All right. My next start here is Elijah Spencer. Uh, I talked about as, um, you know, being in the top 10 in the receiving yards in the country, um, 15th in explosive in um, yards per reception. 
Um, he's got a touchdown in each of his last four games, back-to-back 100-yard games here. They get FIU this week. FIU allows the 26th most pass yards per game, 267. Uh, ninth most points per game, 36.8. Uh, Elijah Spencer on Charlotte. Charlotte also allows a lot of points. They also allow a lot of uh, passing yardage. I think this game is probably just going to be an, uh, an offensive shootout here because both these defenses are some of the are two of the worst defenses in the country. Um, should have a pretty high game total here, uh, and I like Elijah Spencer. Uh, I'm starting Puka Nasua again this week. He's back. I know he's annoyingly kind of flipping in and out of these lineups. Oh, I don't know why I did that because I also said start Elijah Spencer. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> uh, Liberty, not a great team. They're they're down a bunch of players here. I think BYU gets up early. I think Puka has a nice week in this one. All right. My last start here is DJ Irons, uh, QB for Akron. Um, he's averaging 21 fantasy points per game, but... Ever since he's gotten into Mac play, he has uh, been really good. 35.7, 25.2, 25.9 fantasy points. Uh, he has either 100 yards or a rushing touchdown in each of his last three games. Kent State allows the 21st most pass yards per country or per game in the country. 31st most rush yards, 17th most points. Another game where this is just going to be two good offenses going up against two bad defenses. This is the maction that we love high scoring fire up DJ irons uh and yeah elijah spencer like i, said, I don't know why i got the <laughs> why did i do this <laughs> so all right so calling when to name your 10 i'll name mine 10 and then we'll switch to the sits yes uh i have clayton toon uh caden prather jake bobo ryan o'keefe uh dominic lovett Damian Martinez, J. Michael Sturdivant, Marshawn Lloyd, Elijah Spencer, DJ Irons. And I have Jeff Sims, Talia Tagovailoa, Diedrich Parson, Nathaniel Pete, Elijah Cooks, Caden Prather, Carlos Carrier, Samson Evans, Puka Nasua, Elijah Spencer. All right, Collins for sits. I'm going to start with Brian Cobbs. Why do you say for Utah State? I'm not starting until for, uh, further notice. Uh, um, uh, Logan Bonner out for the rest of the year. Uh, his backup, Laga, uh, suffered, I believe, a concussion last week. Probably not going to play this week. Uh, that offense kind of fell apart without him last week. I don't think that Cobb sees the volume or like the useful volume uh, to make this a startable day for him. Um, I just want to have one quick correction here. I said um, South Carolina gets Notre Dame. They don't. They get Texas AM. Um, I don't know why I said that. Yeah. Idiot. Um, the reason I know that is because I'm sitting the entire UNLV offense. Uh, they play Notre Dame this week. I was like, I was like, because they play Texas A&M? What? Okay, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. because they play Notre Dame this week. Um, like Notre Dame, 39th in pass yards allowed, uh, 58th in rush yards allowed. Um, they have more recently been good against the, the run with Notre Dame. Um, the Texas A&M, the stats I gave for Marshawn Lloyd were for Texas A&M, not Notre Dame. So apologies about that. But since um, Ohio State and Marshall, Notre Dame's rush defense has been very good. Um, the UNLV offense here has definitely slowed. Uh, Aiden Robbins, 18 fantasy points per game. Um, they were on a bye last week, but two weeks ago, 9.7 fantasy points against San Jose State. Um, Ricky White, 12.4 fantasy points on the on the season here. 13.8, 4.6, 9.3, 0.3 the last couple of weeks there. So 
Uh, not very good performances there. Doug Brumfield is injured. The backup QB, Friel, is bad. Harrison Bailey got in for a little bit. He's bad. I just think this UNLV offense isn't quite as good as what we thought it is. So if you picked up Robbins and Ricky White and Doug Brumfield off the waiver wire, it, not a good week to start him this week. Uh, I am sitting Dominic Richardson. Spencer Sanders was banged up going into last game. It sounds like he's still banged up. Um, San- Richardson, we talked about he's been getting the volume, but he's not been particularly explosive. If he doesn't get a TD, then it kind of kills his day. Uh, Texas, pretty solid on the rush defense overall. Uh, I think they make life difficult for him this weekend. Uh, I am sitting Seth Hennigan, uh, quarterback for Memphis. Uh, he had 28.7 fantasy points last week, but the three point weeks prior to that, 16, 17.8, and 18. Uh, they get Tulane this week. Tulane is a very good defense. Uh, they are 10th in pass yards allowed, 166.4. They're 11th in points allowed. Um, so this is going to be a tough matchup. Tulane ranked uh, 25th in the country. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup here for this passing offense here. I'm avoiding Seth Hennigan. I am sitting the Marshall running backs this week. Ooh. I don't know what that split will look like exactly. It sounds like Ali is kind of getting... Uh, back into the fold here a little bit. Um, but they play JMU this week, James Madison. They have one of, if not the best, I realize the, you know, it's lower level of competition, but I mean, they have they, statistically one of the best rush defenses in the country. They gave up 45 points last weekend and lost, but like they still didn't give up anything on the ground. It's actually very weird. Go look at that box score. Um, Centeo, bad Centeo reared his ugly head. So I, um, I, I, I think they'll, they'll stay on that this week. Uh, I even if there, you know, Rasheen Ali was not rumored to be coming back, I'd probably still be sitting LeBorn just because I think he's going to have tough sledding. But if if both of them are involved, then that definitely makes them both a no start for me for right now. Uh, I said Kalen LeBorn was a sit for me. I I didn't go as far as to say both of them. I like the both of them call, but for all of the reasons that you said there with Rasheen Ali coming back, uh, rumored to be coming back here in, into the fold. Um, I don't know what that split's going to look like either. And like you said, JMU, uh, very good rush defense. Uh, I'm sitting Cam Camper this week, wide receiver for Indiana. Uh, I know we think of him as kind of this uh, target king, but he's actually kind of seen a decrease in targets. He's at eight and seven the past two games. Rutgers plays one of one of the slowest uh, paces of play in the country, like very, very low to the bottom of the list. They have a pretty decent pass uh, defense overall, and the game total for this game is only 45 and a half points. Like These are two teams that just kind of going to slug it out uh, slow-mo style, um, so I don't think that that's super conducive. Like You're really hoping the camper, like, you have to hope that he breaks two, two long touchdowns or something like that to get what you're hoping for out of him. Uh, my next sit is Will Shipley. Um, he had a nice week. Last week, 19.9, but the two weeks before that, 10.6, 11.2 fantasy points. Um, and Syracuse's rush defense is legit. Uh, they allow the fifth least most rush yards in the country at 84.4. They're very good at limiting explosive plays as well. Uh, so I think they can hold Will Shipley in check here. I think Clemson's probably going to get it done a little bit more through the air this week. I'm sitting Will Shipley. I told you to sit uh, to start Talia, but I'm sitting a guy on the opposite side of this, Evan Hall. 
Maryland has a top 30 rush defense. I think game script will not be in his favor. I know a lot of what he's done this year has been through the air, but uh, Hall has seen a decrease in targets over the past few games as well. Northwestern's just a very, very bad, no good team. Uh, what does that say about Nebraska? But um, yeah, I, I'm sitting him this week. Uh, I am sitting LaDamian Webb. Um, his last two games has not been quite as good as what the other ones were. 17.3, 15.7 in his last two. Uh, now, he did injure his ribs uh, in last week's game um, after a couple of carries. So I'm excluding that one from that one, uh, from that total that I was saying in the recent games here. But they play on Thursday this week. So I'm not sure if he's going to go. But if they do, they get Troy. Troy is another team that has a, a very good run defense. Um, they only allow 111.3 rush yards. Um, 25th in the country and the backup for the Damian Webb saw some good success last week. So it may be, even if Damian Webb does go, maybe enough that this is a little bit more of a split than what we thought it was going to be earlier. So I am sitting with Damian Webb. I'm sitting Brad Roberts. Uh, I almost that. Yeah, this was a tough week to find sits for, to be honest. I think um, there's, there's some juicy matchups and then, you know, terrible guys that you wouldn't start anyway. Um, but the Boise has a pretty strong rush defense overall. They spread out the rushes on that offense enough that like, if they're playing a strong rush defense, the volume just might not be there for him to have a big day. So I'll probably regret saying this one, but I'm sitting Roberts this week. I almost said that too. Um, I almost did it because it is, it was a really difficult week to find some non-obvious, uh, sits, especially with so many teams on by this week. But yeah, like realistically, like you probably, (laughs) I'll be honest, you're probably starting Dominic Richardson because you don't have anybody else. Like, you yeah, might be starting Cam Camper because you don't have anybody else. But yeah, like you're probably starting Will Shipley because you don't have anybody else. In a perfect world, these are the kind of guys that, you, that you're yeah. overlooking if you can. Right. Um, my next sit is Aiden O'Connell. Um, last week, huge game, huge game. 41.8 fantasy points last week. The two weeks before that, 23.5, decent day, and then 6.9 against Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin's defense is legit. Uh, They always are. Uh, Their pass defense only allows 215.9 fantasy points per game or rushing yards per game. And this Purdue rushing attack has actually looked pretty good the past two weeks with Maccabee. Um, Back-to-back 100-yard games there from him. So I'm sitting Aiden O'Connell this week. I am sitting. You ready for this? I'm sitting Travion Henderson this week. and it's not because i'm scared of iowa's defense it's definitely their pass defense it's a little stronger than their rush but there's a couple different factors fact that that i'm playing around with in my head and this is definitely a galaxy brain like realistically as we've talked about this is probably a guy you just have to roll out there um but mayan williams is supposed to be back this week i think he he's earned he'll get some touches it sounds like according to ryan day that they think jackson smith and jiggy was gonna be back this week they're finally going to have their full, full complement of pass weapons. And even though I know that Iowa has a strong pass defense, this feels like a pass. Like they throw JSN out there. He gets like eight targets in the first quarter. They pass the ball around a ton. And I actually think like, I know Iowa has been a pretty good defense, but I could see Ohio state whooping them. I really, really could like not like 55 to nothing or anything, but I think they could put up 35 points in this game pretty easily. Um, and Iowa and all probably those, gets blanked. <laughs> and all of those factors together lead me to I Trey is just a little tricky this week. But again, I'm not telling you just carte blanche sit him. Like if you ain't got any other options, 
don't do that. This is, you know, a mini game within the game that we're playing here. Yeah. That was like a Sean Tucker was a guy I said to sit last week. Um, he didn't have a great game, did he? No, he didn't. Um, he had 20, 21 fantasy points because okay. he that's... got in the end zone there and he had the volume. And that's kind of what I was getting at is like he's probably going to get there with volume anyway, but it was going to be a tough matchup. For Without the touchdown, though, I mean, yeah, that's a 15 point day. Like, you don't feel great about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, my next sit here is Day Day Hunter. Uh, he's been good to start the year here, but he saw his carries drop last week to nine. Um, despite being in a tight game with Gardner Webb, and he's been splitting carries with Shedro Luis, um, who's kind of like a running back wide receiver hybrid type of a guy. And they get a, their other running back back, TJ Green. He got some carries last week as well. Um, what I was reading online, it seems like they kind of want this to be like a three-headed attack. Um, so that worries me in and of itself. They get BYU. Um, their rush defense does not look good if you just look at the raw statistics, but... They gave up 277 rush yards to Arkansas. Very good rushing attack. 234 yards to Notre Dame. Uh, the Notre Dame, I'm not going to say they're a very good rushing attack, but they run the ball probably better than they pass the ball right now. And then 212 yards to Oregon. So three good, three strong teams there that they gave up a lot of yards to. And then they've limited the other teams that they've played. Uh, you know, that was like Wyoming, Utah State, and somebody else. I can't remember who else it was. So, they kind of play to their opponent. I expect them to hold Liberty um, down in this one. So I'm not starting Day-Day. I'm not starting his teammate, Demario Douglas. He's just been not that great without Salter. And yeah, for similar reasons. Yeah. Demario Douglas was a guy that I listed as a start last week. So yeah, that was not great. Um, Jaden Daniels, next guy that I'm sitting. Look, he, another guy, monster week last week, 57 fantasy points. Three games before that, 22.8, 15.9. 17.6. He had six touchdowns last week. Six. Three rushing and three passing. The previous six weeks combined, 10 total touchdowns. They get Ole Miss this week. Ole Miss is a pretty stout defense, 16th in points allowed, um, 33rd in pass yards allowed here. Uh, so I think they're going to limit Jaden Daniels passing the ball. So is he? the key for him is getting a couple rushing touchdowns, which he has been able to do this year, but I don't feel good about it. Uh, I'm sitting Jaden Daniels. I'm sitting Kentry Miller. Ooh, This is a weird one. This is almost more of a gut one to me, but I feel like this TCU-Kansas State game is set up for a low-scoring, tight contest. I think the game total is at 50. I kind of like the under in that. Um, Kansas State's been pretty solid defensively, and they, they're one of those teams that just kind of like drags their opposition down to like what they're doing. Adrian Martinez there has thrown an interception yet this season, which is very interesting. Whoa. Yeah. He's the only, they're the only team in, in and uh, D one that hasn't thrown or uh, FCS that hasn't thrown an interception yet. Um, or FBS. FBS. Yeah. FBS. Um, but I, I just like, I, I, this feels like an 80 yards, no touchdown kind of performance to me in this one, especially because they've got some other backs that get some touches there. Like he's not mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, 90% touch. He's so, not Sean uh, Tucker. Exactly. So I, I'm sitting Kendra Miller this week. That's it's a weird one. Okay. I know. Okay. Um, like you said, it's been it was difficult to find some some sits here. So I appreciate you going out on a limb on some of these. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, my next sit, Percy Aguirre Obese. Um, he was hurt to start the year here, so he started off a little bit slow. But he has back to back games with 20 touches and 100 yards since he's been back from injury. But 
Uh, they get Marshall this week, second best run defense in the country. They allow 77.3 rush yards per game, 16th fewest points in the country, 17.3. Um, like we were saying with the JMU, very good rush defense. Marshall, also very good rush defense. This game feels like one that's going to be um, probably a little bit more low, low scoring, probably kind of like a drag it out type of a game here. So uh, I am sitting Percy Aguirre obese. Uh, and I also said LaDamian Webb. But I forgot to say that when you said I don't know. I did that twice tonight. Like you did. You did. It's all right. It's okay. They're at the bottom of your list. Yes. You also tuned well, me in. I know that. I no, I yeah, Webb was my last one, actually. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, this was my last one. Um, my last one, Brew McCoy. Uh back to back hundred yard games against LSU in Florida. Came back down to earth last week with five point eight fantasy points, only four targets total. Um, they do play UT Martin this week. So I could see Tennessee holding uh, Tillman out of this one. But I also think Tennessee is just going to absolutely blow UT Martin out. Um, I could see them being this being a game where they lean on the running attack with Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. You know, maybe they get 35 carries apiece between them. Um, so I think this is a game where unless Brew McCoy can get a long touchdown, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling good about him. So I'm sitting Brew McCoy. All right, let's read our sits here, Colin, and then we will send everybody home. For me, I got Brian Cobbs, uh, Dominic Richardson, the Marshall running backs, Cam Camper, Evan Hall, Brad Roberts, Travion Henderson, Demario Douglas, Kendry Miller, and LaDamian Webb. I have the UNLV offense, Seth Hennigan, Will Shipley, LaDamian Webb, Aiden O'Connell, Kalen LeBourne, Dayday Hunter, Jaden Daniels, Percy Aguirre Obese, and Brew McCoy. All right, guys, that's going to do it here for our show. Make sure you're checking out all the other shows here on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. Chasing the Natty, Debbie Debate. Um, we got Canton Bound, the other half of this show. We got Back to Debbie, Bet on C2C. The official show's up on there. We've got lots of stuff cooking, so go ahead and check all of those out. Make sure you're checking out the YouTube channel. As we mentioned before, you've got some chances to win these signed jerseys, so come and get them. We will see you guys later in the week here with Canton Bound. Until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.